Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, Parlor, and Instagram. And of course, be sure to visit www.mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I command you to give me your name. And cut. Nice job, everybody. Good show. Man. Follow monitors, let me lead. Alright everybody, here we go. Three, two. Time to go off script. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host Matthew Perkovich and this is episode number 297. Out on October 8, exclusively on Shudder, is The Cleansing Hour, a supernatural thriller that stars Ryan Guzman as Father Max, a social media star who hosts the popular live streaming show The Cleansing Hour, which streams live exorcisms. The catch? Well, Father Max is not actually a priest, and the exorcisms are staged, until one night a real demon tests Max's metal in front of an online audience of thousands. Adding a fresh perspective to the worn-out demonic possession movie, The Cleansing Hour is an entertaining and thought-provoking horror movie that asks questions about faith and fame in this era of social media. Joining me now to talk about The Cleansing Hour is the film's director, Damien Levesque. Damien, I thank you very much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for uh, inviting me, Matt. I'm glad to be here. So this is a really interesting film, actually based on a short that you did back in 2016, um, I'm really curious, when it comes to already filming, putting stuff in on film that is based on the story that you have, um, is it, when you re-approach that material, is it a continuation of the story that you have already, or do you analyse what you have on film, do you break it down, and then you kind of reconstruct it to make something new? Um, it was a little bit of both, actually. You know, the, the short film was always made as a proof of concept for the feature, so I always had a pretty good idea going into it, what the feature was going to be. Um, you know, whenever pen comes to paper, there's, it's always a bit more challenging to, you know, figure out exactly how you're going to fill out the rest of that story, but I'm pretty happy with where it ended up. Um, and, uh, you know, so there, there are still very much elements of the original short proof of concept in there in terms of the concept, the characters and the beginning and the ending of the movie. But, um, you know, all of the stuff in the middle is new. So, you know, if you have seen the short film, you can, you can, you know, rest assured that there is something new and fresh in there for you to see. And um, it, it is a much bigger movie for sure. The character of Father Max played by uh, Ryan Guzman, um, really interesting character. Um, he's, a, he's like this social media rock star in the guise of a Catholic priest. And I'm curious, what was the inspiration for this character? Were you looking more at towards kind of like the evangelical preachers that kind of like do a lot of their stuff? online and what they used to do on cable was that kind of like more of the inspiration you're looking at because i don't really know much in the way of um, priests from the catholic religion to do that kind of thing yeah uh, you know the inspiration was really more just you know from what i've gleaned from just being a 
uh, person who interacts with others on the internet and just seeing the way that other people's people behave, especially just sort of the influencer culture of YouTube and Instagram and um, how that changes people's personalities. I think that Max sort of represents the worst of that in a lot of ways. Um, But, you know, I, I also think that there is some of Max in all of us. So, you know, I, I think that Max was very much inspired by, by you know, just my my cursory sort of overall view of of internet culture as a whole and the way that it sort of fuels narcissism. Um, it wasn't necessarily focused on one individual person, and and I have been asked if there were any particular influencers that I was uh, you know parodying, like a Zach Baggins or. Or uh, like in your case, uh, you know, a, a, a pastor or a preacher of some sort, a televangelist. Not really, no. Um, I just think that he's sort of an evergreen narcissistic douchebag, and I think we've all met that guy in one form or another. You was really interesting how you said there's a bit of Max in all of us, and I think it's really true these days because of the whole social media concept. The one thing that seems to drive him more than anything else is that pers- pursuit of the blue check mark that he's, you know, that he's confirmed, that he's authorised, that he's situated in the world that he wants to make an impact in. And I think all of us kind of have that, especially these days. We can't help it. We, we're all creators in some way. We want to have some type of influence and some type of um, standing within kind of like this realm where you can put your work out there and you get some type of, you know, uh, can some type of clarification on where you stand in the world. And that blue check mark, I guess, goes a long way to getting there. I mean, when you write a character like him, do you kind of look at your own kind of foibles and you think, you know what, this would be a good kind of thing to add to this character? Because I think it was a really interesting thing and really does humanise it a bit because whether people admit it or not, it is something that kind of drives them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know several people who are very, very involved in social media um, as influencers and people who are just interacting with it on a regular basis. I, 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 I wouldn't say necessarily that, that I, there's a lot of myself in Max in that respect. There are other qualities from my own personality that I wrote into Max. Um, just because like, I'm not on social media. I'm not as active on social media as, as somebody like Max is. Um, mm. I really, uh, it, rather, I, I looked at, I tried to approach the character more from like, where do you derive your meaning in life? And I think that part of the problem with our with our society today is that everyone, so many people lack lack purpose and lack meaning. And um, I think that social media sort of fills that void for them in a way. Um, and, and, and it's a negative choice. It's not a good way of of filling your life. But you know, for Max, it served a purpose, and he's been able to uh, assume this persona sort of as a defense mechanism to hide the person that he really is deep down inside, which you find out later in the movie. So, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a character flaw. Um, but it's, it's one that I think is relatable to a lot of people. And I, I hope that, I hope that people can connect with that in a way. I, I really want, I really wanted this movie to have that subtext and have these deeper characters that are relatable and, while at the same time, you know, being an entertaining movie that you can just watch and, you know, have your popcorn entertainment. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I don't know about your approach to social media. I used to be all in on it until 
the whole COVID thing happened. And then when you're working from home and all you have is yourself in your home office and your computer, it's just kind of there. And I actually deleted my Twitter account like two, three months ago because I was just like, I need to get away from this thing. And it's really interesting how there's two different themes in the movie. One of them is, of course, you have the demonic possession kind of strand of it. But on the opposite of possession, you have obsession as well coming from the Max character. He's obsessed with his popularity. Um, he's obsessed with his fame. And kind of like how the two kind of converge there is just really kind of interesting. Um, the whole d- the demonic possession aspect of the film, though, was really interesting in, in that there's been so many movies of that kind of ilk, especially since Paranoid um, Paranormal Activity broke like 10 years ago or so. And I know that you have to jump in on some of the kind of like the tropes of it all because you're putting that it's you're you're staging exorcism with exorcisms within an exorcist film um and you got to deal with those tropes because that's what people his audience expect they need to see that stuff um having said that though was there anything that you did not want to do as a filmmaker or as a storyteller that other films have done that approach the same subject was there anything that you did not want to touch that you said you know what maybe we can leave that on the side because I want to make my own movie, uh, um, its own demonic possession film that can't be compared to other ones. Because to me, having watched a lot of these movies, it was kind of a breath of fresh air to actually watch how you approach the whole kind of subject matter and the whole subgenre. Well, thanks so much for those kind words. Um, I, 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 that's a huge compliment because I really was something that I set out to do to make a movie that was different from the other exorcism movies that are out there. You know, um, my goal making The Cleansing Hour was first and foremost to make a movie that I would want to see. Yeah. And, um, you know, being a big fan of horror generally and the exorcism genre specifically, you know, I did feel like there were certain tropes that you really can't escape, but I do sort of address them in a tongue-in-cheek fashion. Um, you know, like, like you know, the, the, the priest who thinks that he can just, you know, press the Bible against the possessed person's head and say a few words and then, you know, presto change out the demon's gone. Yeah. Um, but you know, there were certain things that, that I, I definitely did not want to do. And, and one of those things was, for example, the makeup, a lot of these exorcism movies go really over the top with really stylistic makeup and, you know, really morphing somebody into a totally different, you know, human being. And like even the exorcist itself, which is, you know, sort of like the gold standard for exorcism films, they go over the top big time with the makeup. Um, I actually made a conscious choice not to do that. I wanted the makeup to be very subtle. So even though we did have prosthetic makeup on Alex Angeles while we were filming, you know, it was, it was meant to be, it was meant to progress as the movie progressed. And it was meant to not completely take away from what she looks like Mm. so that whenever, whenever the demon goes away and Lane comes out and is talking to us, we can still see Lane there and still evoke sympathy for this person who's turned into the, who is effectively the villain of the movie. So that was one of them. And then I also really, I, I, I'm subtly making fun of the whole idea that, you know, all you need to do is say a few words and know the demon's name and you're going to be able to get rid of it. Um, so, okay. Spoiler alert for everyone who's listening, cover your, put your earmuffs on. Um, you know, in the movie, they're trying to fi- they're trying to find out like what demon is this? Because if we can find out the demon, we can say the prayer that's going to get rid of the demon. Well, they think they find that out, and then they say a prayer, and they think all is well and good, and then of course it's not, and that's it. I, I think it speaks to their own naivete and uh, the characters, and then also just 
me making fun of the idea that that's all that it takes. I think it's always been sort of a silly thing in, in exorcism movies that all you have to do is say some specialized magic words and your demon is gone. You know, it's just weird to me. So uh, that, that, that's sort of a long-winded answer to your question, I think. Oh, good answer, though. Thank you very much for that. Um, you, we have, we've talked about the film. It is an entertaining film. It is the type of film you can sit down and watch and have, you know, a box of popcorn and watch it. One thing that's really cool about it is the use of practical effects. And being a Shutter movie, Shutter productions really do kind of either front foot charge about using practical effects in their movie. It's important to them. Um, yourself, when dealing with the more practical effects kind of things, um, what's it like as a filmmaker? being able to see effects in action on your set because um, I've actually spoken to other directors about this and there was um, a director in Melbourne here in Australia he talked about that when the, with the use of practical effects it actually is a really cool thing for the whole cast and crew to get into because it's almost like a fun thing where you watch this thing come to life right before you and um, it's kind of like the cast and crew get like kind of entertained with it itself is, is, it, is that the case um, with this movie as they watch the makeups, as they watch the effects and the blood and all the splatters, everyone like really getting into it and thinking, you know, this is a cool day at the office today. Well, I know that for the cast and the crew, they were having a blast with it. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch. It was a lot of fun to participate in. Uh, for me, it was as exciting as it was terrifying. And I mean terrifying in the respect of like, am I actually going to get the shot or, right. is this, or, or, or is this, is, am I, is this working? Um, you know, one of the things about working with practical effects is that they do take a lot of time to get right. Mm. Um, it takes a, a lot of attention to detail and a lot of patience. So while I was really excited with the amazing practical effects that we had, effects that we had designed in this movie, when you're working on a tight schedule and tight budget, it's, it's very, it's nerve wracking to, do that because you're concerned constantly whether or not it looks good and it's you know it's it's you're pulling it off in the amount of time that you have yeah. so um but you know all of that said I, I think we did it and for every practical effect that we did i'm ultimately very pleased with how it turned out um and i only and my only regret is that we we didn't do more and i really wish that we could have done more in fact there were there were some effects that I wanted to do practically we just didn't have the time slash budget to pull it off so um, we had to resort to CG are you gonna bookmark those kind of effect ideas that you have for maybe a future film in fact yeah my, one of my next projects is a uh, is a contained creature body horror that has this big you know life-size monster in it that's going to be a full-on you know, monster build. It's going to be a full suit and everything. It's going to be all practical, no CG. And um, I'm really, really excited about it because I'm, I'm so heavily inspired by, you know, the great films from the 60s and or from the 70s, 80s and 90s with practical effects from, you know, everything from the thing to Gremlins. I wanted to get back to the whole social media aspect of the movie because it's such a big thing. I mean, you, we could have marketing wise, you could have easily just done hash, hashtag evil for like as a marketing tagline for this film because it seems like that was something that really kind of resonated with me when watching it. And, um, you know, it's really interesting that when new technologies come about, um, how some and with new technologies comes new ways to present arts, whether it be film or music or whatever, um, there can be a reaction to that. 
um, in regards to what is being put out there to the public. Um, and it reminded me of, you mentioned Nexuses before, I think it was back in like 1974, Billy Graham actually said, uh, the famous preacher actually said that within the reels of the Exorcist movie lied a real evil. And if you watch that film, you're exposed to like, you know, the actual devil himself. And was that kind of thing, that kind of um, warnings from like preachers back in that day, was that something that you've heard of before? Was that something that influenced how you approached social media in your film as kind of like a, a conduit, a kind of like a channel of putting evil into the world? And is that something that you also view social media as? Like you and I spoke about we don't want to get trapped into that void of social media because let's face it, there are things out there in that in that realm that can't be good for people um, psychologically and spiritually. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that necessarily it's a conduit for evil in the in the literal sense. You know, I don't I don't think that I don't think that, that what happens in the funding hour would literally happen to somebody. However, you know, I think like anything else, when not used in moderation, can lead to destructive behaviors and uh, you, know, um, you know psychosis. Um, I, I think part of the problem with social media today is not so much that um, it's not so much the technology itself, but rather the way that we use it. And you know, and granted, this is with acknowledging that you know the, the social media platforms have people who have people writing them who are programming them to try and force you to pay attention to them. So I do understand that there is sort of an, a subconscious interaction with it where you you can't help yourself but to use it now i I totally get that but um i I ultimately think that um you know evil per se is really something that the individual user is responsible for um and i wouldn't really put all the onus on um social media platforms i think that um there is a lot of truth however in social media, I mean, in the movie, in terms of the way the characters are interacting with it. Uh, you know, I, I, if you if you notice that everybody who's watching The Cleansing Hour in the movie is, I, I would say almost everybody is neglecting a more important personal part, personal aspect of their life, whether it be the girls in the bar missing out on an opportunity to meet a guy or, you know, the, the, the kid who is in his house and is being neglected by his mother and um you know the the guys the the guys in Oman who are you know sh- should be working on their bike like all the, the personal quality of every, uh, of our lives is being sort of ripped apart and then you know quite literally on set you've got these two people these three people who are being ripped apart both emotionally and physically um by this monster uh the that is being fueled by social media so um i I, I, I think that it, this all really sort of ties into the larger message of the movie, which is, you know, like sort of the buyer beware. You, mm. Social media can be can be used for good, but, uh, you know, used in excess is quite dangerous. It's really interesting that um, the popular saying is that the greatest trick the devil ever told the world is that he doesn't exist. But in your movie, in your movie, the, the, the demons in your film, use the opportunity to let everyone know that they exist using this kind of social media feed. And that's just really interesting to me. So uh, I think that there's a lot of thought there. And I, and I think you can say that um, The Cleansing Now is definitely kind of like a thinking man's kind of horror movie. I appreciate that. I, I, 
I really tried hard to, to, to get it there without being preachy. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't, it, it's meant to be a fun movie and I don't want to be preachy at all. So um, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you sort of like, you know, picked up on the subtext and, and, and I do want people to know that, you know, like this is, it's, it's meant to be tongue in cheek. It's meant to be meta, you know, this isn't, it's not a comedy, but you know, it's okay to laugh at it a little bit because, um, and, and maybe by laughing at it, you, it, you, you, it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. So you laugh at it. Um, and if you walk away from the movie with a stone in your shoe and start thinking about, Hey, what was, you know, there's, there's a point in there. There's a message that I should be walking away with. Then that's a good thing. And I feel like I've accomplished something. So for everyone out there listening, the cleansing hour, October 8th, by a shutter. It's a shutter original. Damien Levick is the film's director and writer. And look, Damien, I thank you very much for your time today. Congratulations on the film. It's great we can talk about this movie because, like, like I said, I watched a lot of kind of like a lot of horror films come away, especially of the demonic possession clients. Nice to see something that was fresh that had, that made me think afterwards. And like you said, has that kind of you know satire in there as well, or all worked um, uh, exceptionally well. So congratulations for um, to you and uh, best of luck with the release of the film. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, feel free to reach out anytime. Love to talk to you again.